Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. Bienvenue, bienvenidos, and welcome back. I don't know, is that French? Bienvenue is welcome. Okay, it sounds French. <laughs> welcome back. We're going to continue talking about the stages of change. Last time we talked about pre-contemplation, and today we're going to talk about contemplation and just drop the pre. Whereas before you're not aware of having a problem, today you're more aware of having a problem, but you're either not ready or you don't want to change, or maybe you just don't feel like you have uh, the ability or have confidence that you can change. Mm -hmm. So I really love talking about the contemplation stage because externally, when people are watching us, when we're watching ourselves, we are so judgmental about what's happening in action, behavior, those kinds of things. And contemplation is about saying, am I shifting my thoughts? Am I moving from pre-contemplation, I don't have a problem, everyone else has a problem to maybe, maybe there's something I should work on. Like maybe this is something like I'd like to put some energy into. And it's a valid stage of change. It's a valid part of the process. And as a therapist, I will say I meet so many people who are um, either in contemplation or that they've spent time in contemplation um, and it wasn't recognized or they they felt like a lot of shame around being in this stage. And I would say there's no shame. This is a valid part of change. And I, I think people, along with what you're saying, they feel like they this should be the shortest amount of time. They're like, you know, I shouldn't have to think about change. I should just go and do it. Oh, right? I think you're right. That is the one that there's a lot of shame around. It's like, if I'm in this area for too long, it's kind of like that idea of saying like, well, if you wanted to do it, you just would, right? Like, I hate that um, to a degree. Yes. If I had the desire to do it, I would be planning how to do it. Right. But at the same time, when it comes to making real change, I think it hundred percent I, I want to feel like the majority of what I do in therapy is to validate someone in saying, Hey, you're making a big decision. You take as long as you feel like you need. Right. And when it comes to contemplation, I get a lot of clients coming in and a lot of friends who are talking about their changes in life, everyone around me. I feel like when we talk about this idea of contemplation, like pre-contemplation, it's just like, Oh, that's the idea entering into my head. Right. Contemplation is about, okay, how would this actually work? do I really want to make the change? Do I really want to invest my time into this? And a lot of people, they almost say like, you know, do like, you know, the trigger of just get it done quick, right? Like if you're going to do it, just go for it. Because there is shame in revealing, I'm, I'm thinking about a change I'm not hundred percent committed to, or I'm not ready to start preparing or taking action on yet. It is a very vulnerable thing to say, I realize I've got this thing I need to work on. I don't know how to work on it, or I don't have a plan to do it this week, or I'll do that later. But it is a very valid experience to do that. And like you, Haley, I see a lot of people saying, I know I need to change this. And they they do so much better when we hold space for them and say, that's awesome that you've started to recognize this is something you wanted to change rather than saying, well, why don't you just... 
and I'm using a term that I feel like has created so much trauma in so many people's lives, suck it up, right? That's, <laughs> that's my number one trauma phrase, suck it up and do it. No, contemplation is valid. And there are some skills and, and things in contemplation that actually propel us forward. And if we skip over it and we're just like, I'm magically going to be perfect at it, that is actually going to keep us stuck and and shift us out of the change process completely. I think contemplation is usually the stage of change that people are often in for the longest. Um, I think everyone that smokes knows that smoking causes cancer. Uh, they're they're aware that there's an issue, and uh, maybe they've tried to quit several times. Uh, you know, you can move in and out of different stages of change. We'll get into that in another episode. Uh, but they're they're smoking. They know they have an issue, and they continue to smoke. The issue with change often isn't inside. It's not knowing that there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. And we talked a little bit about how with pre-contemplation, the goal is to raise awareness. So one of the things that happens is we move into contemplation. We don't need everyone to tell us we're doing something wrong anymore. We don't need like everyone to be like, well, if you just stop smoking or if you just do this, your life would be happier. That actually is a shaming thing and it, it can move us in ways that won't actually help us change. What we need in that moment is saying, that's cool. Tell me more about why you're thinking about that. Tell me more about what life would be like if you started to make those changes. What are some things you're worried about if you started to make those changes? And really getting very curious in this contemplation stage of what would this mean? What would you need? What do you, what do you to Haley's point, already know how to do? And what do you not know how to do, mm-hmm. right? can go back into what have attempts looked like when you've seen other people try it because we're social learners, right? What felt, you know, like, oh, that that feels really good and comforting and what feels like, oh my gosh, I can't do that at all. And so it really is about staying curious in contemplation and that's what moves us forward versus what Taylor was saying is stuck in chronic contemplation is this always need to perfectly have a plan to, to move out of contemplation. And that's what keeps us stuck is this belief we need to change perfectly or all at once or just suck it up. Mm-hmm. One of the most unhelpful reactions that people have to someone moving from pre-contemplation to contemplation or moving out of contemplation to a, another stage of change is, well, look who's finally doing something about it. Or, you know, we see this a lot in parenting. Oh, it's about time. (laughs) Or look who came out of their room. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, why are you punishing someone for doing something that you've been wanting them to do? That's a really great way to almost guarantee that they're not going to be doing the change you've been wanting to see in them. And that's not a punishment in the sense of, and you go back to your room, it's the punishment in the sense of, I'm going to bring shame, right? I'm going to... I'm going to punish you by not allowing you to go through with these changes. And I'm going to put something in the way that says, oh, you should have done this before. And you now have another barrier to have to go through, right? Like that's emotional punishment there. And so it may not be, okay, now you have to go and clean your room because it took you so long to get out of it, right? It's the emotional punishment of like prolonging them having to go through that phase. Well, and- 
even as you're talking about that, right? And Taylor, as you're saying those things, I'm having some limbic responses to people acting that way. And I won't say I want to hit anyone because I'm not a hitter, but there are some definite <laughs> fight, fight, freeze that comes into my body when people talk to people that way. And as I examine that, it's because it's very vulnerable to contemplate change. And vulnerability is a gift in a relationship. It's a gift as a parent. It's a gift as a partner. It's absolutely a gift as a therapist to say, I'm willing to be vulnerable enough to contemplate change with you, right? And people who can contemplate change with someone else and have that support in a healthy way in that place of we can give space to this place and this stage of change are actually more likely to move forward. Where if you're in isolation in this contemplation, that's one of those things can keep you really stuck. The, the equation, if you will, for change is willingness plus ability equals change. And at least in the United States, and um, there's this really prevalent belief that everyone is always able to do anything. You just have to put your mind to it. And that's just frankly not true. Um, I know that'll ruffle some therapist feathers if if therapists listen to this, but the fact of the matter is, is they don't all, <laughs> all seven it. of our listeners. Um, the the truth of the matter is a lot of us need help with our ability. We either need to be taught because uh, we're not able to change because we don't know what we need to do. We need to learn something um, or sometimes we need uh, medication to help with our ability because we're trying to run the hurdles with a 40 pound bag strapped to our back. Um, uh, th there's lots of things that interact or impact rather our ability. And it's important that we take that into consideration. We have compassion and empathy for ourselves as well as other people. It's kind of like I, the idea of like, if you have diabetes, well, you should be able to just fix it. And it's like, well, no, that not everything's possible with mental health. Like with mental power, you have to actually get some outside Yeah, my help. pancreas isn't going to be like positive thinking into or motivation, like motivated into creating enough insulin. Yeah. Well, and it, I think that's interesting because I, in in change, there's a couple models. And as you're talking about this, willingness is not the same thing as willpower. So I just want to bring that up for a minute because Haley, you talked about how that, well, if you, you would just do it. First of all, if we haven't done it, one of the first questions I would ask you, are you willing to consider you're not able to do it without additional skills, knowledge, support? Because that's a question for you. I mean, other mm -hmm. people may say you, you can or you can't, but I've had to really ask that question and say, there's things I want to change that I'm just not seeing change in. Am I willing then to get the support and to tell myself that I might be a capable person in so many areas? And because this is an area where I've got some dissatisfaction and pain, I may need support in this versus, you know, magical thinking that somehow, you know, because I've been successful in areas X, Y, and Z, I can be successful in everything. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. So one of the things I will say that I know keeps us in contemplation a long time that we haven't mentioned is the magical thinking of if I just find the exact right thing, tool, person, whatever, that that is what will create change. And 
that contemplation and that constantly looking for what is the perfect way to move forward keeps people in this chronic contemplation the longest where studies will show that if you are willing to try things and try things multiple times versus try one thing perfectly that you are going to move forward more often you're going to actually create tools skills and abilities through the continual process of of work and we'll talk about that more in this same um in the next stage of what that looks like but i do want to say that chronic contemplation and believing there's a perfect solution will keep you stuck mm-hmm. one of the my favorite things i've learned of last year is the phrase anything worth doing is worth doing poorly oh i love that and And I would add anything worth doing is worth learning how to do going back to, are you willing to admit you don't know how to do something? Yeah. Sucking at something is the first step to being good at something. And often we just want to jump ahead and be Leonardo da Vinci, but you got to learn how to doodle and have to erase a lot. Yeah. It's interesting because as you say that um, in, in training other people in things that I'm good at, that's one of the things I see a lot of resistances is they're not willing to just go and do it badly. Well, that's, I mean, contemplation, to be fair, we don't really allow our kids. We talked about, you know, adolescence being one of the most difficult times and how there's so much expected of them. And they have to kind of work with this transitioning world and be expected to do well and to stay regulated, which is near impossible. Um, You know, we, teach them, you have to do good at this. You know, you have to do well at this. And then we say, but you shouldn't have any time. You should just do it. Right. And so I think we teach from an extremely young age that contemplation is one of the least helpful resources when it's the least helpful phases, because, you know, again, well, if you just want to do it, just do it. I mean, Nike, just do it. Right. It's like the idea of saying like, this should be muscle memory at this point. This shouldn't be something that you have to think about. So the whole idea of contemplation, I think from a really young age, we really demean the the value of it and really get rid of the fact that it is such an important part of that process. Um, so whenever I do the stages of change and I show a client or a friend or whoever, you know, whoever I, you know, guilt into being part of this conversation, I, I'll, I'll probably make a graphic of this, but, um, I create a graphic where pre-contemplation it's, you know, if it's the whole idea of climbing a mountain pre-contemplation is like, you're passing the, Hey, welcome to, you know, the Teton national forest or welcome to this. And it's the idea of like pre-contemplation is like, okay, I think I want to go past that sign. And I I'm, I'm looking at this. Maybe I do want to climb it. I'm not so sure. And at the bottom of the Hill contemplation is right before you start going up the hike. Okay. It's right before you start going up on the hike and it's a little area that you can have like you know, often when you go to some sort of hike or go to some sort of national forest, there'll be like a little sitting area and it has like the sign and it has a bench or something like that. Sometimes you'll see that that's contemplation. That's you deciding what's the route I really want to take. How much do I want to invest into this? What do I want to feel at the end of this? And do I feel like I have enough of the resources? Like you usually see like a porta potty at the end of there or a water fountain spigot or something like that. Like that's contemplation means that's like your, your contemplation ground zero. Okay. You're deciding it. And so contemplation is before I'm not on the hike yet. Okay. I can still turn around if I don't want to go into this area, but it is an area of, do I have the means? How do I want to feel at the end of this hike? How do I want to go into it? And so 
if we were to just have hikes, just start, I think people would look at us and be like, that's insane, right? You need water. You need to make sure you don't have to use the bathroom. You need to have a map of where you're going, right? But however we say everyone else, you just need to go and just do it, right? I wouldn't go send someone, an adult or kid or whoever, you know, to one of my favorite places in the area, Stewart Falls hike. I really like going there. That is a great contemplation area in the very beginning. You decide, am I going to go this way? If I want to go another way, this is great. Um, I'm not going to just go, okay, just go start, right? I'm going to sit there and be like, Hey, do you have water? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do we know which route we want to take? Cause there's one route that goes up and does Timpanogos hike, which sorry, never going to do that one, but <laughs> there's also another hike that goes and does Stewart Falls hike. So do I know which one is which, and do I know how I want to go and get there? Right. I'm not just going to go send someone up there. Who's never been there and have them avoid that whole contemplation moment. So that's a really important place. And again, it's not the place I spend the most time in usually, but it is the place that I think has some of the most important meaning that helps set the pace and set the tone for the rest of my journey that I'm going to go on. So there's my spiel. Anything so think else? Of, think about that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good place to end. There we go. So I think as we go on, we're going to be talking about our next phase, which is planning. Planning. Okay. There we go. So. We're going to talk about the next phase of that, talk about what's going on. We're going to also kind of like pause and give some like good feedback about, you know, Hey, if you get this point and you're not sure about it, you know, choose your own adventure. Let's go this way. Right. So we're going to kind of keep going along with that. And then, yeah. Love any feedback we get about questions about this lovely topic. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We'd love to hear from you.